You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, what happens? The people perish. So we're going to talk about your vision and the goals that we need to set for the future. Let me just give you a little bit of the goals for 2017 for this church. Uh, as we spent some time in prayer and, and fasting and asking God, what really is the emphasis for 2017? Uh, it really has to do with your growth. So a lot of things that we're going to be doing and offering to you, some of our new small groups that will start in February, some of our ministry opportunities are really not to fill spots or to get people to go to small groups. It's to help you grow. Now, we will continue to do our outreach in the community. Uh, we've even got some new things like Snow Day you saw, and we're going to be back at Flower Festival this year with our water giveaways and, and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to tell you that as we continue to focus on the community, we're going to focus a lot on you. Discipleship courses. Uh, I'm even going to teach some courses that are going to be online. We're going to do live stream. So I'll sit in our little studio back here and teach some courses. You can watch them live uh, or you can watch them at your leisure. Because uh, some people, I, I, don't, I can't get to a class or I, I can't make it to the church. So we'll just use the internet to be an archived uh, place for classes that we will do, and the Bible will be taught in more in-depth uh, ways as well. A lot's happening, but I just wanted to tell you that growth is the key for the year. I am going to grow. You are going to personally grow in, in 2017. But when we make goals, we have to make SMART goals. No doubt you've heard of what SMART goals are, but if you haven't, let me share them with you. They are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-specific. So the goal of, I will win the whole world to Jesus Christ, isn't very attainable or realistic, is it? But, but, but this kind of goal is, I will find two people to serve and add value to in the first month of 2017. I will help them grow. I will encourage them. I will invite them into my devotional time where we do our, our devotions, and if you don't know how we do them here, uh, there's a card in the guest services room to get you started on what we call SOAP, our scripture, observation, application, and prayer. We'll talk more about that as well. But I'm going to work, work on my devotion with them, and I will do this for six months, and then I will find two other people to pour my life into for the last six months of 2017. So that goal is specific. I'm going to find two people. And to be real specific, you might even write down their names. Lord, show me who they are. Good, write them down. I'm going to invite them. It's measurable. We're going to meet uh, once a week or once every other week, twice a month. It's attainable. You could find two people. Everybody in here could find two people. It's attainable. It's not, I'm going to win the whole world. No, two people. Uh, realistic, and it's time specific. Notice six months and, and six months. Now, the reason I give you that is most people don't ever uh, set down smart goals, attainable goals. When it comes to your finances, make it smart and attainable. Otherwise, it's like, oh, I'm going to save a million dollars next year. Well, if you don't have that kind of income, that's the silliest goal I ever heard of. But if you want to begin to change your finances, remember, you give, you save, and you live on the rest. Or Rockefeller taught, taught us this, 10, 10, 80. 10% goes to God, 10% goes in the bank for savings, and the 80% I live on. The real smart people 
give 10% to God, save about 20 to 25%. <clears throat> Good morning. And then the rest, they, they've learned to curtail their spending to live on that. Um, so anyway. All right, enough about finances. Uh, let me take you to Jesus. That's where we've got to go. And if you have a Bible, we're just going to look at Luke chapter 2, 51 and 52. That's our, 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 our landing place. We'll go other places. We're going to come back to this. Um, Luke chapter 2 spans 18 years of the life of Jesus, from when he was 12 to the time that he was 30, so, so 18 years of life. Uh, we know from the scriptures that his parents left him at the synagogue, and he learned the Torah. He learned about leadership principles. He, he learned about administration. He watched how the rabbis did their thing. Uh, he was a part of the community. He, he, he was, uh, you know, a, a part of, of the woodworking community as well, being a carpenter. And in Luke chapter 2, 51 and 52, it says, they went down with him and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. Boy, she did that a lot, didn't she, Mary? But catch this. And Jesus, just read the rest, increased wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. If you want to find a bridge from who you are today and really who God intends for you to be, this is who you should look at. You should look at the life of Jesus and how he lived. And it's interesting to note, and, and I still try to get my brain around this, if he's God wrapped in humanity, why does he need to grow? And it says, you know, he, he increased, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I, I think what we're seeing here is the, the, the flesh part of Jesus, the humanity part of Jesus, was increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. And he models for us how we can get better and become people that aren't stuck but unstuck, that are growing. So in your notes, Jesus grew in wisdom. That's mental or intellectual growth. Welcome to seminar 101 of 2017, right? And Jesus grew in stature. That's, that's physical growth. And Jesus grew in favor with God, that's spiritual growth. And what I want to say here is important because we don't think of our lives in the terms of prophetic. Jesus had prophecies about him 700 years, 800 years before he actually comes and is born of a virgin. Isaiah says, and a virgin shall conceive. And he will be wonderful counselor, prince of peace, right? Christmas. And the government will be on his shoulders. And so there was a very prophetic word about who Jesus would be. And I want you to think about this. Maybe you've never thought of this before. There's a very prophetic word about who you are too. That God just didn't say, good, I'm going to create Bernie and he's going to live and this amount of time. And then when he's done, he's going to go to heaven and that's it. But I believe God has a very specific intentionality for every human being on the planet. We, we, we've heard this, no doubt. Uh, the book was written, Purpose Driven Life. Everybody has a purpose. And many of us love Jeremiah 29, 11, that, that, that I am your God that has a hope 
and a future and an expected end for you. In other words, I have a plan. I have a prophecy over the children of Israel. This is who they'll become, and this is what life will be like for them. So think about your life in those terms that when you were created, when mom and dad conceived you, that, that moment, that spark, where the little fish swam and found the egg and right? God already had, already had, before the foundation of the earth, Paul tells us in Ephesians, a prophetic word about you. And it's our assignment to figure out what that is. That, that, that's our spiritual growth. And the last one is Jesus grew in favor with men. That is social growth. So here's the assignment. Apart from the letter from God that's, that's now sealed, I want you to really consider this week taking this assignment and writing out your goals for 2017. First of all, prayerfully and with thoughtful consideration, develop intellectual goals. Now notice I'm not saying resolutions, because again, you know, 80%, 80 of the resolutions are uh, not kept by 80% of the people by February 1. But these could be goals for 2017 for you, an intellectual goal. See, there's a difference between a knower and a learner. A knower knows stuff and says, I know enough stuff. Usually they fold their learning arms. But I want you to consider that you'll put yourself in the learning seat and be a pupil and a student. In uh, James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Lord, I want to grow in wisdom. I want to grow in, in intellectual knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is something that is gained, and I just want you to, to hear this, because I've been, you know, flapping my yap for, for, you know, 38 years in these kind of settings, and I started teaching Sunday school, you know, when I was 15 years of age, so I've been flapping my yap a long time. And, I, and I've learned, watched this, too, from, from people. You know, if the sermons were just better, if they were shorter, if they were longer. See, you guys don't know this. There's some churches in town that go three hours. You know, you got an hour and 15 minutes. People are already freaking out, you know. And uh, I'm going to have her stand up here one day. There's a lady in our church that says, Pastor, you need to preach longer. I said, why? She goes, because I'm only here an hour and 15 minutes. I need a lot of help. <laughs> But, but, but the point is, we have to be better receivers. It was D.L. Moody who said, I can listen any sermon into a masterpiece. He put the responsibility on himself as a receiver. When you're reading the scripture, don't just go, this is boring. But say, is there anything in here, God, you want to say? Could, could the word come from there to here and then to now and, and speak to my life and, and change me from the inside out? 2 Timothy 3 uh, Paul is telling Timothy about people and, and how they'll live. And he says one thing is they'll be always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're just learners, you know, who say, well, I know it all. As opposed to I want to be a lifelong learner who is not going to be stuck. I want to keep growing 
and I want to get as much wisdom as I can. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold or to get insight rather than, than silver? Um, I'm going to be doing this in this year. I've already signed up for an intensive class that I'm going to take. Uh, how many of you are, are, are avid readers? You just read, you know, read. Good. God bless you. How many are slow readers or no readers? Come on. I didn't say if you're no reader, raise your hand, but slow or no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this class that I signed up for, this certification that I'm going to get that, that's going to help me be a more effective leader and leading the leaders here and the staff, my work in the community and, and uh, the relationships I have at Vandenberg and all of that, uh, one of the things I, I thought about was there's all these books I got to read before I go to the intensive. And I'm not a big reader. I, I, I read spot read here and there and I quick read and I usually read the, the cover <laughs> and the ending, right? And, and so I'm forcing, I signed up for a class that forces me to read. You understand what I just did? Uh, I'm also a part of a learning cohort in our district. And uh, the beauty is I get to host it. And the beauty is I'm telling everybody from LA, they got to drive to Lompoc because I always drive down to see them. And so we have a, a pastor that's older than me. We have a pastor that's my age. Uh, we have one of the uh, younger up-and-coming pastors in Foursquare. He's our poster boy for the below 30 uh, regime. A very successful church, multi-site. He has uh, two campuses that they operate. And uh, he wants to come and learn from the old guy. So I'm glad about that. I said, why do you want to learn from me? He goes, I want to learn how to have longevity in ministry. Because most of his friends in the first five years already quit. So he's going, can I learn from you how, how you do? So every night when I go to bed, I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to be here. <laughs> so what am I doing? I'm, I'm reading things and writing things that will help him. And in that, I'm expanding this old brain of mine. Uh, Luke 4 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost and see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay a foundation and aren't able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, what in earth are you doing? That's what they'll say. See, we want to become the people that God intended us to be. And I love what Francis Chan said. He said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that really don't matter. Isn't that good? Lord, I don't want to come into my life and say I, was, I, I climbed the mountain, but it was the wrong mountain. So we have to constantly be learning. Number two, prayerfully and with honest consideration, develop physical goals. Now, some of you may look at me and go, well, I'm surprised he didn't just pass this one on by. But it says that Jesus grew in, in stature. 1 Corinthians 6 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And Jesus not only paid for your sins, but he bought your body. He owns the exclusive rights to your being. Hello. Therefore, honor God with your, your bodies. All right, not easy for me to talk about. And I confess that I am a terrible example of this to you. But, you know, if I'm going to talk about goals, I got to talk about it, you know. I just got to tell you, some of my pastor colleagues would skip this point altogether if they looked as in shape as I am. 20% of the population in every state of America is morbidly obese. 
20%. Thanks for raising your hand. And 50 million people worldwide will die of chronic disease due to being overweight. Rick Warren, where the Daniel plan came out of. Your muscles affect your moods and your motivation. Your physiology can actually affect your psychology. And Warren calls on Christians to take a hard look at Romans 12 that says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. So here at the church, we have the Daniel plan. January 9, it's coming. Yeah, and some of you are excited about that. But Jesus grew in stature. Stature is defined as a quality or status gained by growth, development, or achievement. Growth, development, or achievement. And some people are going to say, preach it, pastor. We're all about the physical and kind of deny the spiritual. And some are going to say, it don't matter about your body because it's your soul. You know what I mean? We got to take care of the soul. And they want the spiritual side. But I believe that Jesus wants a balance from us. That we take care of our spirit, we take care of our minds, and we take care of our bodies. Christians are outraged, Bill Heibel said, by certain sins against the body, sexual immorality, abortion, euthanasia, physical violence in our country. But many Christians seem to be amazingly blind to more common sin against the body. They're slowly destroying their bodies by filling them with junk foods. Ho-hos, Twinkies, come on. Old school, right? Right? Uh, by the way, I went to a nutrition class a few years ago. I know some of you are going to be really mad at me. I don't care. Uh, and the nutritionist said the number one food, ounce per ounce, that's the worst thing for you is pizza. What? I mean, you, you know, you ever see that greasy stuff on the box? Okay, sorry. Well, he didn't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, go on the pizza diet and see me in a year, you know? The cheese and the processed food. I'm just saying that. Sorry, if you own a pizza place, I'm not out to get you. Everything in moderation, right? One piece, that's all you get. And eight glasses of water, right? Uh, and letting their muscles, uh, heart included, deteriorate through disuse. Scriptures clearly reveal God's concern about our physical well-being. And I got to tell you, there's some people that their resolution is going to be, I'm only going to have dessert on days that end with Y. Come on. <laughs> so January 9th, Connections Building, 7 o'clock, Daniel Plan. Ray didn't know I was going to mention this. Ray's on the team. Uh, Ten months these guys have been together. And I was reading in their little article about secret sauce, they call it. The secret sauce is... Uh, we have been together to restart, to reset, and renew our lives. They meet on Saturday mornings. Uh, they go to Gaviota, sometimes to the hike, to the peak, sometimes walking around. They've gone to the mission in the past. Uh, listen, this group has collectively lost over 200 pounds. Some, some have, have seen dramatic changes in high blood pressure, mental fog. Uh, people that were pre-diabetic are no longer. It's not a quick fix, they say, but it's a journey. So count me in on the 9th. If I'm not there, come to my house and find me. <laughs> and if I'm at the police station, come and get me, all right? Lights and siren. Number three, prayerfully and with a deep spiritual consideration, develop spiritual goals. Spiritual goals. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and isn't this ironic? Favor with God and with men. Favor with God. Jesus would pull away from his work, his disciples, and he would go away and pray. Jesus would fast. 
I love the fact that he models for us how to take care of the spiritual side of our lives, their spiritual growth. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So, so Paul is telling Timothy, you make sure you're in shape, buddy, because your today matters. But you make sure you're spiritually strong and in shape because your eternity matters. We have to do both. You see them both coming together here. Uh, now, Ephesians 4 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self. You know the old self, to put it off, really means to starve it. If you want to get rid of something in your life, starve it. Or a Greek word, strangle it. Deprive it of oxygen. Put your old habits in a bag. See it this way. Put it in a bag and then tie the bag shut. This is what I think about you, old habit, you know. That, that's why we have Celebrate Recovery here on Wednesday nights. Another way for dealing with hurts and habits and hang-ups. Um, they're celebrating this week one year that they've been doing it, and they've been awesome. you got to thank them. Yeah, what a great team. And we're seeing people that are getting free from from uh, you know, just bad memories or, or relational stuff that's bad or alcohol or drug abuse, whatever it is, God has us getting healthy and better and we get rid of things as we starve them and just strangle. Would you like to strangle some of your bad attitudes? Just <laughs> Instead of getting angry at people, get angry at getting angry. All right, all right, if we had time, I'd tell you. Uh, some of you need to get into a small group as they start some of you need to deal with your finances and start tithing, start tithing, start tithing, start tithing. Uh, some of you say, well, must have been a bad year to church. I kind of sound like the cable guy, didn't I? Anyway, get her done. Anyway, I raised my faith and I raised my, my giving. By the way, uh, 2016 was a great year. And you're in a church, some of you don't know this, you're in a church that's totally debt-free and we have no obligations, outstanding debts, and that feels good, yeah. Oh, man. Remember that heater and air conditioner unit, 75,000 bucks. I was like, oh, how are we going to pay for it? So, but God's been good to us. And, uh, uh, you know, we don't have a mega campus or anything, but uh, anyway. And be praying. We're in pursuit, hot pursuit of other properties. That's all I can say at this point. Now, uh, oh, and we have grandparents who say, well, I want, I want to raise my grandkids in church, but, but you can bypass the parents. Just tell them, hey, could it be okay if we take our grandkids to church? Would you mind? Uh, most parents, you know, most parents are okay with that. Sometimes they get a little fussy, you know. Uh, I had one parent say, well, we're going to let our kid decide when they're old enough to decide what religion they want to be. Are you kidding me? There's cults out there that'll... that'll surely take them. You know what I mean? Boy, let's guide them in the way that they should go and help them live out what, what their prophetic word is for their life as well. I got a whole bunch more to say here, but we got to get to the, to the last one, number four. Um, oh, by the way, I didn't tell you this. version. If you don't have the version Bible app or on your computer, uversion.com, uh, that's where uh, Tommy Walker's project, the book of John, is going to be uh, coming out soon. 
But in the meantime, get the Bible into your soul every day. If you're not a big reader, we heard some people aren't in our church, uh, you can read a couple of verses. It's just every day. Just spend some quality time with God. And you may remember this about the physical thing and the spiritual thing is that you have to divert daily. Every day have some kind of diversion. Um, I think devotions are that for me, but it might be something else for you. And then uh, withdraw weekly. In other words, have a Sabbath. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually, where you get out of town. And you just get, get a new uh, look at something. So I'm going to get out of town, go to intensive class. Uh, Ten hours a day, I'll be in class for five days, 50 hours of just, ah. But anyway, I'll be in another, another, another area. And uh, for, for me, that will be an abandonment. So whatever it is for you, if it's, if it's fishing or, or if it's just sitting there looking at nothing, just go out and look at nothing and think about God, okay? Uh, by the way, when we're looking at nothing, that's when God can speak to us the most. Um, I'm just going to tell you this. I've got a lot of friends who are writers and that they rarely hear God's voice when they're looking at their computer screen. They have to get away from it and, and go change scene and look at something else, okay? I got four minutes. Number four, prayerfully and with compassion and compassion and consideration, develop relational goals. Jesus grew in favor with people. And Acts 2, if you read about the early church, read the end of Acts 2, and they grew in favor with all people. It's interesting. When the Holy Spirit is upon your life, you, you, you will grow. That's really the heart and the mission of our church, to love and to serve. That's what our logo is all about. We love and, and, and we serve. And part of that is really the, the, the physical and the spiritual goal is there, and the relational goal is all tied in that. What God gives to us, then we allow that to flow through us. That's the spiritual side. We love God. That's the spiritual side. Uh, the, the, the physical, tangible side and relational side is we love people and we serve people. Now, that's not a smart goal. That's the overarching vision. Then you can take that and make it a smart goal. Well, how can I love God more? And when will I do that? And what will it look like? And then how can I love and serve people more? What will that look like? Who can I, who can I help? I love this line in Matthew 5, 9, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. I love to be around peacemakers. I don't love to be around agitators. I got enough of those to last me Agitators sound like alligators, same rhymes in my mind. And, uh, and so how can we characteristically be like the Prince of Peace? Blessed are the, the peacemakers, to build each other up and to encourage each other. There are 59 one another's in the New Testament. Love one another, encourage one another, speak for the benefit of one another, weep with one another, rejoice with one another. By the way, if you wanna find those 59, we made a copy of them, they're in our guest services room today. Just pick one up and read those. That's a challenge of how we're supposed to live our lives. Second uh, Corinthians tells us that we all have a ministry, that God has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us what? This ministry of restoring relationships. So if the relationship is worth restoring, now there are some relationships, I just have to tell you, they're toxic, they're unsafe, they're unstable, run for your life. And pray for those people from a distance. But some of you had severed relationship with people 
because something went bad, something went south. So we had this ministry of restoring relationships. Um, and I'm giving you permission for the relationships that, that just, I mean, they're bad, they're, they're horrible. Um, I have, you know, after 30 years pastoring here, I have a few in the town where I walk the other way when I see people too, because uh, people do that to me. Oh God, I haven't been in church in months, you know. Uh, but, but there are some people that just, I really, Lord, I, I don't have the time, the energy. Now, if you want to change their heart by the Spirit, you could do that, or you could certainly change my heart. But right now, uh, ghost, ghost Rider, the pattern's full, and we, we don't have any room, okay? But some of you, some of you, some of you need to find some restoration in relationships uh, in your life. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I just might make it. Brothers and sisters... I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What's he saying? I've not taken hold of the prophetic word that God put in my life. This is the Apostle Paul. I feel comforted by this. He didn't have it all figured out. Isn't that comforting? The guy writes the majority of the New Testament, starts a church in Europe, an amazing guy, dies, you know, as a martyr for God. And, and you know what he says? I don't have it all figured out. I, I feel so at home with him because I'm still learning too. But one thing I know and one thing I do is this. I forget what's where. Behind 2016. And I strain towards what's ahead. I press on toward the goal. Nothing wrong with making a goal. I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. There's our goal, folks. We make sure our, our, our bodies and our relationships on earth are right and righteous, but we also are always thinking about this fact that this really isn't our home. We press on towards the goal. So here's a couple of filters that you can use as you write out your goals, your SMART goals for 2017. In what areas can I increase in wisdom? Uh, you probably would want to do this. If we had a cup of coffee, I would ask you this question. Uh, where do you keep tripping up the same way, the same thing over and over again? That's probably an area where you need to increase in wisdom. You know, if you park your car next to where all the carts go and you keep getting a scratched car and you're wondering why your car scratched, you probably need to park somewhere else. Huh? I park way away. I walk sometimes really far, and there's always some knucklehead <laughs> that parks in to my spot. Usually a big truck, you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, in what areas can I increase in wisdom? Where can God and the Bible add value to my life? In other words, I'm going to research the scriptures to find out areas where I need the most help. I'm going to search my life first, and I'm going to go to the Scriptures. If you need help with relationships, look at every verse about relationships. If you need help with finances, start looking at biblical patterns of finance. If you need help with, uh, with, with, with addictions or, or hurts in your life or forgiveness, I mean, start going there. Where can I, uh, can God in the Bible add value to my life? Where can I add value to others? So it's not just thinking inward, but how, how can I add value to other people? What will I do to become more of who God intended for me to be? Hmm. What will I do to become more of who God intended me? And what must I leave behind so I can move forward to the goal of heaven? For some of you, excuse me for saying this, for some of you, it may be a, a friendship. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future, remember? 
Some of you might just have to say, well, we're done. Yeah, but we live together and we share the rent. You know, it helps us out. But <laughs> what if you just trusted God? Just curious. What if you just trusted the Lord? Well, I've got this friend of mine and he's just toxic, but we just keep hanging together. What do you need to change? And it might be a habit. It might be something you look at on the internet. It might be a, you know, a, a certain relationship, whatever it might be. How can we keep growing? Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com. Dot com.